Welcome to Currents, your leading global voice of maternal feminism. As maternal feminists, we are inviting you to join us, using our voices in the public square for the things that deeply matter, our faith, our families, and our maternal identities. The Currents podcast aims to gather women who are deliberate thinkers and women who are prepared to engage as powerful forces for good in our homes, our communities, and our world. Welcome to this week's episodes of Current, the Big Ocean Women's Podcast, where we focus on faith, family, and motherhood using the maternal feminist lens to address social issues. I am your host, Kim Landine, and we're also here with Carolina Allen, your other host, and we are so excited to be talking to you today. Um, Carol, I always love sitting down and having conversations with you and picking your brain. It's fascinating to me. I love it too. Thanks, Kim. Excited to join again this week. Yeah. So do you want to kind of share with the listeners what we're doing in this new month? It's a new month. So we'll be starting on a new tenant. Do you kind of want to address what that is? And then we can get into some of the issues. Yeah. Yeah. Love to. So the tenant for this month month is that we are each unique and innately worthy of respect. And it's a great one. I feel as though the world would be completely different if everyone truly understood what this tenant means. So it's awesome to take a deep dive with you, Kim. I think one of my favorite things about this tenant is that it follows so perfectly from our last month of we believe in God and we are women of faith. We talked about the biodiversity that was needed within faith um, on week three. If you haven't listened to it, go check it out. Um, But it really segues into this idea of we are each unique and innately worthy of respect. As you said, as we really focus on the uniqueness, our individual uniqueness and the uniqueness of those around us, and we see the worth the divine and inherent worth within that uniqueness, great things can happen. And Absolutely. so I think it's, I love this. Um, yeah, we talked about, I remember, you know, when we spoke with Melissa that she said, you know, a really robust and healthy ecosystem is one that is very diverse and diversity means that, you know, there are very unique kind of flora, fauna, you know, insects, whatever it is within an ecosystem that has a very specific role that has these, you know, unique contributions that will make um, the ecosystem thrive in really special ways. And then, you know, if you have an absence of even the tiniest little thing, it can make such a difference. And so I love that idea of uniqueness contributing to the health of an ecosystem. Absolutely. There's an Islamic proverb that I love that says a lot of different flowers make a bouquet. Um, I, one of the things, Carol, that I, what I think of this topic, I go usually in two directions. Number one, it's the divine worth of every single individual, regardless of circumstances, regardless of action. Um, Every single person in this world has that seed of divine worth within them and that divine worth should be acknowledged. Simultaneously, I think my mind also goes to, uh, there is, everyone has a divine worth, but how do we shine in that divine worth? How do we develop that uniqueness in a way that makes it so that we can really contribute to this world? Because as great as it is living in the cabin in the woods in Alaska, there's a need, I think, from humans to really reach out um, and kind of help each other and help the situations of those around them. I agree. I think, yeah, it's, I I feel like you can, you can gather, um, the most out of your uniqueness, like you feel the most special when 
let's say your gifts and talents are kind of juxtaposed other gifts and talents. So it's like if you're just isolated by yourself, you don't really get to see how special you are. And so as you engage in society, contributing the very special things that you have to contribute, that's when you get to see um, your uniqueness. Like it gets to blossom and it's valued by others. And so you get to really feel it, you know? That's a moment of truth for sure. (laughs) We just need to like take that sound clip and post it everywhere because I think there is definite truth to that. As much as it's nice to sit in a cabin of the woods and enjoy my (laughs) hot cup of tea and just study and learn. Yeah, but you're definitely true. Like I can study and I can learn and I can develop a lot, but it really is in the moments of reaching out beyond myself that those are developed. And so I know one of the things that we wanted to talk about um, today was this idea of identity. Um, It's becoming Mm -hmm. a very trendy thing whether it's sexual identity or religious identity, political identity, um, sports related identity, you know, identify with Alaska. Obviously I've mentioned it three times already on this episode. (laughs) There's there's like these identification markers that describe who we are. Yeah. And I, and I love that. And there's a lot of things Mm -hmm. and identity markers that I, that I definitely hold and I hold valuable. Um, But one of the things Carol that I've seen in our day and age is that people hold on to these identity markers and it almost limits their ability to be unique. Does that make sense? Yeah, it really does. I know what you're talking about. I think it, it can um, be kind of stifling in a way if that's, <clears throat> if we're trying to, um, I guess I'll, I'll kind of make a little tangential point that that we can limit our, you know, fully developed understanding of who we are if we're very, very self, like, um, if we're obsessive about discovering who we are. You know, um, like the the phrase comes to mind, um, you know, to really find oneself, you have to lose oneself let's say in the service of others, as you engage um, in, in lifting and helping others up, that that's when you really get to see what you're made out of and, and what your gifts and contributions and talents are. And I think that sometimes it can be stifling if you're so worried about ticking boxes and, and what it is that who you are, you become like obsessed or um, just kind of bogged down by this ever ending pursuit of self-discovery when self-discovery just kind of happens as you, as you live, you know, and there's so Mm -hmm. much to one person that if you were to try to splice it all up into these, like, all like what you said, identity markers, you unravel the person and it kind of takes away from that wholeness of, of who you really are in any given minute. And as you're changing and growing and developing and learning and, you know, all these different things, it can kind of become like, an all-consuming job just to try to keep up with all of it. I don't know if that makes sense. No, it does. I think listening to you talk, I both, I think there's, there's part of me that both absolutely resonates with it. And another part of me that fights against that idea, Mm -hmm. Um, because I think it's easy to have those identity markers. Um, I think back to a specific time in my life when a lot of my identity markers were being challenged 
And I didn't know what to do. And there was definitely this high focus on who I was as an individual, what I believed, what I wanted to do, how I wanted to engage, not only on interpersonal levels, but also out in the world, if, or even if I wanted to engage in those different pursuits. And I was reading a book, um, it's called the divine or the mother tree. And it's, it's using a tree and as an example for how we process and move through this world. Mm-hmm. And one of the first things that it talks about is the root system. And it yeah. talks about how it's kind of like the underworld of reality or this mm-hmm. place of darkness, this place where you have to break through rocks, this place where you're super consumed with yourself and with everything that you're doing. Um, and you're just in this really dark place. And as I read that, I thought about it and that very much was a situation of my life. Like I, it was not a happy place. It wasn't like I was super joyful and excited and producing fruit it was definitely this dark moment of I had to come to terms with who I wanted to be. And as I read this book, it talked about that being a very important stage of personal development and of self-identity, mm-hmm. going down and setting your roots and engaging in the, the work of the root is what she called it. Mm-hmm. But simultaneously, as those roots engage and as they go deep, as you set those tap roots, it is, it is natural for a tree to then grow. Right. And if you stay there, nothing happens. No one sees it. And so I think that's where the second part of me comes in where it's, yeah, from those roots, a tree is born. And in that tree, fruit is produced. In that tree, a product is produced in wood. Comfort is produced in firewood. Um, Shelter is provided. And so I think that's like the juxtaposition of of my understanding of you listening to this is I think there's, as a society... We're always told to go deep, self-identify, get your markers, know what you want. And there's not a whole lot of talk of that second stage of growing up and getting out of yourself and developing a tree that can then produce life-giving things for not only the tree itself to continue on living, but for those around it to be right. Like the self-actualization part. You can't just stay in the, in the, uh, in the, in the, you know, very discovery part. Yeah. The, yeah. yeah, Cause it, 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 it stifles that future growth. I like that a lot. I think that yeah. makes a lot of sense. Um, well, and it stifles it for the individual. And I, it's hard. It is a hard place to be. Like mm-hmm. you don't go down into the roots and engage in those things just because it's fun. Like this mm-hmm. isn't, we're not talking like the self-care of let's go take bubble baths and get nails done and go on weekend trips with our girlfriends. Like this is the hard soul rutching or soul engagement that has to occur during this stage. Um, mm-hmm. so it's not an easy work to engage in. And simultaneously, as hard as it is for you, I think it also affects those around you. Mm-hmm. Um, ideally you have partners in your life that are able to stand there with you and allow you to be in that space as they kind of hold up around you. Mm-hmm. Um, but it definitely has effect, especially as a mother, my children, while I was focused on that work, they, they had you- to pay a price for it for sure. I have a question do you think that um there's been a commodification of that like um place where people are um where where people are trying to oh 100%. i don't know yeah right um, where, where i feel like 100%. like what you're re- what you're talking about is the idea of of self-care in the sense that it will produce something yeah. good but i do think that like the term self-care has been kind of co-opted now to mean self-indulgence in a way 
Absolutely. Um, I'm not going to be popular for saying this, but <laughs> my observation. You know, Carol, I'm okay with <laughs> not being popular as long as we're speaking something. Yeah, but I feel like I feel like that there it's become like a business niche to just like you're worth it. You know, you do some you can't do for others unless you take care of you. But then that's that's been branded and kind of branched out into this whole like market system. It's marketing to women where then it kind of like distracts you or detracts you from doing the hard work under the ground. It kind of keeps you there, Mm -hmm. you know, in a way that, well, you know, taking perpetual girls trips with your friends, like that is self-care and that is what you need and that is what you deserve. And that's, what's going to help you grow and discover yourself. But in my mind, I'm like, actually, like the more you time you spend away from your family, the harder it's going to be to be around them because they're going to crave your attention so much. And then every time you're around them, it's going to be miserable. You're going to be exasperated and you're going to need to leave again. And then your family is going to fall apart. And then your relationship with your children and your spouse, your partner, whatever, is just going to suffer because you're going on these perpetual self journey, self actualization kind of trip. So I almost feel like there's a culture that's like literally trying to keep you there and kind of banking on you. Well, and what I, what I think that is, is that when people engage in that, it's not true growth work. Um, my husband and I have a habit and we're getting more into it where we take consistent two to three day breaks, both individually, where he'll be with the family. And every three to four months, I go off on an Island by myself, take time to really reflect on what I've been doing, reflect on mm-hmm. what my priorities are, reflect how I've actually shown up, not what my goals were not what I envisioned showing up as, but like, how did I actually show up in my life? How did I show up with my family? How have I truly been engaging with my children? Mm -hmm. And that's hard for me to do. And I think it's human nature that it's hard to do when you're, when you're in the foxhole of life, Mm -hmm. I mean, you need to kind of step away and kind of gain a strategic perspective um, as you're trying to, to truly like move, like live with intention Mm-hmm. but I'm not going out there and just hanging out. Um, and right. while it definitely is part of it that I will get in the hot tubs and I will relax or go on more hikes or whatever, like truly rejuvenates me in that period. There mm-hmm. is also major growth and major reflection that happens during those periods. And so I think what ends up happening is we, you've talked about like leaving your family is a, is a great example. Um, in a previous life, I've, we just, are- seen, I've just, I honestly, I'm going to say this and you know, people out there can judge me, whatever. Uh, I've just seen so many women like who've had just beautiful families, like families literally have been broken up. And I feel like it's, it's this culture. Like, I know people are going to hate me. I just, oh, well, like the goddess in you, like go out and do these retreats. And it's like endless people talking about these endless retreats. And I'm like, if you're to be going to all these retreats, like the goddess in you, like, what does that even mean? Like, yeah. what are, what's happening to all of the relationships that you've built? Like guys, people, we we're adults. Like we've had our childhood. Maybe we've had trauma in our childhood. I don't know. And we're trying to work through that and we can yeah. do that, but we have kids. Like we need to yeah. kind of grow up and own it and, 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 and have responsibility and adulting Absolutely. sucks sometimes. And it's hard, you know, but I've seen so many families like fall apart. And these kids are just like, moms are just like taking off, traveling the world. And I'm like, my friend, I kind of want to grab and be like, 
girl, what are you doing? Like one day, you know, we're all aging. It's just like, I I feel like there's been a, 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 a cultural shift um, where it's, it's kind of like, there's just this like desperate desire to cling to youth, to cling to beauty, to cling to fun times all the time. And, um, that's not reality. Like someday you're going to be confronted with a hard look at yourself in the mirror to say, I'm now 60 years old and my relationship with my children is non-existent. And I had a pretty darn good guy in my life. And I just was too worried about myself to like nurture this relationship or to give to. And I I know us moms, we give a lot. I I get it. We, we are stretched thin, but also like there's power in that. Like we're actually building something. It's not for nothing, you know, and it's worth the effort. It's worth the work. And so anyway, I just had to throw that out there. And I know it's not a, a, a very popular idea and it, people are probably going to be up in arms at what I have to say, but I'm saying it. So there's no, that. I, well, and I love that you're saying it. Number one, I think this is one of the benefits of me and you co-hosting this is we come to this podcast with a lot of different perspectives. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I think this is one that we may differ on. Um, right. I think what you're seeing in that culture that you discuss specifically with the embrace your inner goddess. I think what we're seeing is a mother wound, this identity that for such a long time, we have lived in a patriarchal society. And I don't say this in terms of patriarchal down with the patriarchy. I talk about this almost like a patriarchal institution is one that values the experience and the ideas of men and lifts those up above that of women at a very basic level. And I think the society that we live in, in the West, this isn't everywhere where big ocean is. Um, but I think in the West, there's very little people that would argue that this is a patriarchal society. And part of what big ocean does is we want interdependent relationships between men and women. We want men to be lifted up and we want women to be lifted up for their individuality in their own uniqueness. Mm-hmm. And I think what we're seeing as a society is this, this wound of, you know, I don't feel like I was hurt. I don't feel like I can be who I want to be. And so I think the word co-opt, or I think the word commodified are words that can kind of describe what's happened to some of these wounds. And so you have these women who want to be heard. You want these women that want to be able to reach a level of actualization individually, because I think we as humans want that. We want to be self-actualized. We want to be able to feel like we're strong internally. We want to feel like we are valued, but that comes from within. And I think what we've seen is a commodification and a co-opting of that internal feeling. Um, and the easiest so one for that to what hit. What you're trying to say is that, that it's been, it's been ex- externally kind of pressured and therefore like, um, so well, I think we're, that, that still is a need. It still needs absolutely. to happen. Need to come from the, from the inside out rather, rather than the outside in. Yeah. And I think what we're seeing specifically in that area is a very similar, as we talked about during the first month with um, the Black Lives Matter, any movement that that stems from anger, um, there should be moments of injustice. There should be anger at those moments. There's, there's, there's a processing that has to occur when injustice is dealt upon this world and upon you and people that you love. When you're in that place, true growth can occur and you end up being stuck in anger and stuck in fear and stuck in 
in a demand for justice when really what you need is peace. And it is not, you can gain internal peace without needing to gain justice. So my question is, can we gain peace like on a daily basis where you're, you're feeling like healed on a daily basis to continue so that it's not like this big kind of quest, like, but the quest can take a long time. And meanwhile, there's a lot of like collateral damage, you know, like it's almost like we're perpetuating whatever trauma we felt onto the next generation because we're just missing in action because we're so busy trying to heal ourselves. So I, I almost feel like, can we not find a really um, just efficient way to self-heal on a daily basis so that we can show up for the rising generation because it's just going to perpetuate like a kid, a kid who doesn't have parents who are, you know, just out questing self-discovery time. And then they're just left to kind of raise themselves like that. That's going to scar. That's not, yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not at all saying that. And when I said, um, as I talked about my experience earlier, I said, you know, my children did pay a price. Like I was out of the home frequently in these moments of trying to figure out what was going on. I thankfully had a partner who stepped up in the home who, when I, like my, I may not have been around, but they were not missing a parent. My husband was there. And when I was there, I was very intentional with how I was working with them. I was very intentional in being able to show love. Um, And that was coming from a place of in those moments, I was seeking that divine love internally. Right. And I, in my, in my journey, it became very clear that I needed to maintain that internal perspective. I think people learn and people want to reach out and people want outside validation. And I definitely felt that, but for me, it became very important to make sure that my intentions and my thought were both internally and divinely centered. Mm-hmm. And that became a huge strength for me is that I was able to focus on those both in inter- my internal intuition, my uniqueness and my divine connection to process all the feelings I was feeling. Mm-hmm. And in that I have become a better mother in that I am more connected. And so mm-hmm. there was a time and um, let's, let's use an example of a broken bone. When a bone breaks, when there is damage, you need to make sure before casting that bone that it is set correctly. Mm-hmm. Otherwise it heals and it's just misaligned. And then you have multiple year long or lifelong issues coming from that bone because it wasn't set correctly. Right. And so if something is broken, which I think at times the male female relationship in this world has been in balance. It's been broken from the divine pattern. Mm-hmm. Totally get it. When you set, when those bones are broken, you, you have to set them. You have to make sure they're aligned. And then there are moments where you have to put a cast on them ideally, mm-hmm. but there's also a point in that healing process where that cast has to come off. And there is for a long time, they would leave casts on for an extended period of time in hopes for that bone to completely heal before removing it and putting stress on mm-hmm. the medical world has since found out that you want the cast on for the least amount of time possible for that bone to heal before you start putting it under appropriate amounts of stress. Right. And right. with those appropriate amounts of stress, that bone not only heals, it actually becomes the strongest part of that bone. And so when you're talking about self-care, it's because something's out of alignment in your life. 
mm-hmm. your interpersonal relationships, your relationship with your children, your divine connection and feeling something is out of a line. Oh I God. like that. I like that idea. I just have recently had an arm break <clears throat> actually. And, uh, on 24th playing soccer, um, we were taking turns in the goal and I got a really sweet screamer shot at me and I blocked it. I did block it, but it broke my arm. And so I, um, wore the cast for three weeks and it was keeping me from doing what I needed to do. <laughs> so I literally slid the cast off and I only wear the cast now when I play soccer. Um, and I feel like my arm is getting stronger. I can tell, I, I feel like the three weeks were up and I, I you know, I could kind of wiggle it out and I said, screw it. I want to have a good shower without having my cast on. So <laughs> I just slipped it off. But, but I, I, I do, um, you know, I've read up on it and yeah, adding adequate amounts of stress to you know moving my arm around and carrying things that don't bother it too much I know it's building that bone back up so using this analogy like how how can we as women and men whoever's listening to the podcast maybe instead of instead of letting our life get so out of whack maybe so out of alignment maybe make quicker alignments throughout the day throughout the week Right, so that we're we're not um, sacrificing like things that really really matter. And I'm I'm often thinking about the rising generation. Like um, it's our responsibility to kind of set those things as quickly as possible and and have moments of healing, not just like big journeys. Right, that our lives have, for some reason have gotten so out of alignment that we need so much extensive time. But maybe small small bits here and there. Um, I feel like that's more sustainable too, you know? Well, it absolutely is more sustainable. And I think the way you address that is, is shown in your analogy with your broken arm. When a bone breaks, when something is so out of alignment that you have to cast it, you're Mm -hmm. protecting the bone, right? Mm -hmm. But you were able to slip your cast off three weeks later because your muscles had degenerated. Your muscles Mm -hmm. had shrunk in protecting that bone. And I think it is important to acknowledge that when things are in alignment, you need to align them. You need mm-hmm. to do that. But there are, there are consequences to that. Other mm-hmm. areas of your life will suffer just mm-hmm. as your muscles suffered with your bone setting. Ooh, I, I like that. Yeah. It's and so it's needed. Like there's, mm-hmm. there's a, there's a cost analysis that has to occur. Ideally we are in relationships, both interpersonally and our society that we're able to step up and help each other during those times. Right. Yeah to where the rising generation isn't as affected by needing to step away because or it's important too. like mom, mom learning. having a really hard time and I need to take a little break. I still love you. And I'm still going to be, be here for you. I'm not going anywhere. Give them right. that sense of stability and security, but also say, Hey, like I have hard days too. And I need a little break. And then you come back and you're like, Hey, I'm feeling better now, you know, and I'd like to play. Let's spend yeah. one-on-one time. And that kid feels like, I feel like we're actually modeling resilience, you know, as we do that. Um, And, but I guess, I guess what I'm getting at is that self-care has like self-indulgence has kind of like usurped it because there are things Mm -hmm. that we're like doing that aren't helping our lives. Like for example, if I have an issue that I need to work on, like I need to, need to take a break and use that time to work on the issue and not just binge binge watch Netflix for three days. Like that's not going to help solve my problem. 
I've just now, I mean, maybe you just need a little breather, you know, and you can do that. And well, and absolutely. So there's, that's the difference in what you're looking at of, and you talked about it earlier in the sense of, you know, I wish we didn't have all of these big breaks and, you know, those, those happen in life, like big breaks happen where they have to be casted, but ideally you're healthy. Ideally you're taking precautionary steps making sure you're eating correctly, making sure you're taking care of your body, you're getting enough nutrients, you're sleeping, you're working out, you're staying active um, to continue on with that physical analogy that you're not really going to have big breaks per se. And mm-hmm. I think that's the pre like that's the preface to the difference between self-care and self-indulgence self-care when I'm worried about the physical state of my body is getting up, eating healthy food, going to the gym. Self-indulgence is I'm feeling weak. My body's not feeling strong. I don't have the energy. So I'm now going to watch Netflix and eat sweets. And I think that's what we've started engaging in as a society is the difference between that proactive self-care and the self-indulgence of life. And when you get those two, both are important. It's important to be able to like unstring the bow. If you're a hunter, you know about the importance of taking that bowstring off to make sure that it maintains its, its structural integrity. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not like this kind but, of robot or yeah, nobody, no one, you know, should have fun clearly. And I know that, yeah, you need unwind. You need to figure things out. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just observing like a cultural shift in a way that it, it, it's almost like we're we're really, we like selflessness is like a dirty word. Like serving others is like become this horrible thing that we shouldn't be pursuing. And I I think it's the opposite. I think that that's how we become strong is when we're strong for other people. That's how we become self-actualized is when we, we do, we are using our unique talents and gifts in the service of others. I mean, call me crazy, but I just feel like the cultural shift is, is, is headed down a path that is actually going to perpetuate more kind of like self-loathing and, and frustration and like our self-confidence is going to go down. I really feel like self-confidence is built. Like, as we, like, we get to really know what we're made out of and who we are when we're put to the test, like when we're, when we have to actually engage and apply these things in very real ways. And the best way to do that literally is to be there for other people and to serve them. And I know that like our, our very modern culture is saying like women, we've put ourselves out there for far too long and we need to reclaim ourselves. And, but I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I believe that. I I feel like, well, and I do like, I believe we need to reclaim ourselves for far too long. Women have well, been reclaiming asked ourselves meaning what, and that is the key. Okay. Like that's the key. You're not reclaiming as maternal feminists, the reclaiming of who we are, are divinely inspired, empowered women that show up in our homes, our communities in this world. Right. We need those. So what women. I'm saying is a lot of people would challenge that they'd say your home like that's the one place where you're just a doormat the most. Well, and it for for a long time it has been. And there are statistically analysis that will tell you like first wave feminism was all about regaining at least in the United States and the Western Hemisphere was about regaining the ability for women to vote, 
so that they could have control over what was happening in their homes. They wanted ownership over properties so they could protect their families. And so to say that women have have historically been seen as less than in their homes is not necessarily an inaccurate statement. Yeah. And all over the world, that's the case even now. Even now. But at the same point, like the sexual revolution, second wave feminism, I feel like a lot of damage was done and a lot of loss of our identities happened. And okay. And I will say this and okay. And I, I can totally People may 100% not agree with me. I'm sticking to what I believe. Um, it As we sacrifice for the rising generation because of our maternal identities and because of you know the sacrifice that our physical bodies go through just to even bring about life and nurture that life after that life has been born, because of that, there is a very powerful thread that we hold as an authority to the rising generation by way of influence. Meaning, because I am a present, loving, selfless person within the walls of my home with my children, when I say, Olivia, I do not like this or the, you know, X, Y, Z, whatever child. Elijah, I am concerned about your behavior here You know, all of that, all of that authority built from love and from sacrifice has a very unique influence over that child in the sense that my mom has been there for me. She would not, you know, I'm going to listen to what she has to say. And if you live in a selfish manner, it's not there. You don't have that sway. You don't have that pull. You don't have that influence and influence to me in my book is the greatest power there exists on the planet, 100%, which is why 100%. I see mothers and, and this maternal work has been so undermined and has been so devalued throughout time is kind of make us forget like what it is, that, the power that we really have. So it's almost Absolutely. like the way to exercise that power, that self like empowerment is, is to lean into the selflessness, not the selfishness. And I think that there's like these contradicting messages in our society. I'd say that there's a really strong message in our society to lean into the selfish component. And I think that we need to be really careful with that is what I'm saying, you know? No, and I absolutely agree with that. It's to be a mother is to hopefully have influence. And as you're saying, like, the jobs that we do in our home influence, not just today or not next week, it influences generations. And I think what, I think we're trying, and maybe this is part of the convert, the confusion within even the greater society. It's easy to pit these two against each other. It's easy to say you can either be selfless or selfish. And by definition, that's correct. Mm -hmm. And I think it's once it goes to back to the intention of what you're doing and why you're doing it. Mm-hmm. It is, it is selfish for me to say, I am going to have structure in my life so I can get up and I can get the things that I need to done so I can be present with my children when they are awake. It is selfless of me to say, I'm going to take care of my body and refuse the things that I want to indulge in. So I can have the energy and the stability to show up in the world when I need to show up. It is selfless of me to say, I'm going to study And I'm going to develop these different qualities 
so that I can then engage in political and social conversations. All of those things, the waking up early, the eating what I want to eat, the exercising, all of those could be seen as selfish components of what I'm doing, but it's the well, intent yeah, I, of I, what I'm I doing. I think that because the intention is there and you're doing it for a higher purpose. Not well, and I think that that's what it comes down to is the intent and whether that's being done on a day-to-day level in the home or whether that's being done on a week to week level or a month to month level. And we start looking at it different degrees. It ultimately comes down to why are you doing what you are doing? What is it doing for you? What is it doing for those around you? You have a cast on your arm is broken. How long has it been on? Is it time to take it off? Is it time to feel that the pressure of the stress that's going to help that bone truly grow? Or are you going to be selfless and keep that cast on a little bit longer so you don't pull it off prematurely and re-break your bone, making you that much more incompetent to show up. There's, there's a divine connection. And I think it ultimately comes down. Like you have to be connected with the divine. You have to not lie to yourself. We as humans lie to ourselves yeah, all I think that's the really time. Right. Just to be honest, like why you have to I be really honest. Yeah. Right now we're on this conversation. My kids are out and I, my intention is, yeah, like we set goals and, and we want to achieve them. And I want to do that. Part of that is, you know, um, but at the same time, I'm, I need to use this as my, like my special treat time for myself, because I could go on all day saying, well, well, this is actually my self treat time, or this is, and then it's like, you know, you spend hours and hours away from from family, you know, I, you know, I have a six-year-old and I, you know, I got to be present for my kids. They only get one childhood. I've already had mine. And so, um, that's why I like being a mom, Carol, if I'm being honest, because I get my childhood and I get my, my children's childhood. Yeah, I can show up at a playground at noon on a Wednesday with my kids. And I'm the coolest mom in the world because I was present and I showed up and that's what I want to do anyways, is just play. I want to engage in the beauties of this world. But that comes down to, am I showing up at the playground and sitting on my phone and disengage, or am I showing up at the playground and am I engaging right. or when I'm on my phone, am I doing things that are making me a better person or am I trying to escape reality of a never ending demand list of having children? Yeah. What yeah, am I doing? So Why am I doing it? So true. And I do that a lot. I need to, I need to check into that for sure, because I think Sometimes it can be so easy to just check out on your phone. And even though I'm there, I'm not, You're not being my best self. And that's definitely something I need to figure out. If you were to reach out to your partner and say, Hey, you know, and you were excited by something and they said, Hey, hold on one second. Yeah. How many times would they, would you continue going to that partner about moments of excitement? Not very yeah. frequently because every single mm-hmm. time it's, Hey, just a minute, mm-hmm. you know, my phone's sure. more important. My even the work that I'm doing with big ocean is more important Mm -hmm. as leaders of big ocean. We do not want big ocean to necessarily come in bid for time with your family. We expect when you're engaging in the world and you're engaging with big ocean, that there are sacrifices made for the family. That's what happens when you engage outside of your home, but that should be moments of teaching for your children. Right. That should improve your family situation because of the sacrifice of time. And I think what we're seeing, and ultimately that we're each unique, like these identity markers, they are important. They are deeply important to who we are. We are Muslim. We are Christian. We are African. We are Americans. We are British. We are all of these different things. 
as members of big ocean, like those are important aspects of who we are, but how am I going to show up as that person? And that is where uniqueness comes in. That is where those divine gifts start to really shine. And there are moments of reflection. There are moments of going down into the roots and those are so important. So don't lose those moments of reflection. Don't say, I'm just going to sacrifice everything and just keep going and going because there is burnout. There is lack of focus. There is lack of intentionality. That's where those roots come. But when you, when you disengage from what you're doing and you get on the superficial level and you're not truly becoming a better person, you're not truly rejuvenated. You're not truly feeding yourself in a way that your body needs. That's so true. And I I agree with that. And I think, um, yeah, this has been a really great conversation because I think that we have different perspectives on it and then combined, we kind of can meet in the middle and find a, a good, a good centered, you know, place where healing work can be done through the root systems that we can get specific nourishment that then will allow this unique um, and fruitful tree to develop that can engage in our families and in the community and in the world in a way that will bless the lives of others and that will um, bring tremendous joy to ourselves, you know, that we can really appreciate, have this kind of self-confidence, have this, you know, internal joy and abundance internally that's really not dependent on what external factors may, you know, dictate, but that it's really coming from the inside. Um, And I I think I really wish that for everyone in the world. Number one, that everyone can understand that they're innately worthy of respect um, and that they are valuable irrespective of external circumstances or validation, that there is something unique about each and every listener, everyone on this planet that that means that like you as a person are valuable. I just, my single wish is that we can feel that, you know, that we can really feel it in the most humble, the most beautiful, but the most confident way. And that we can have um, courage to go and share our talents and not hide our light under a bushel, but to stand and, and have this confidence, this kind of inner confidence and inner, you know, um, peace about us that can really influence the world. And I think, like I said before, the greatest influence we can really have is within the walls of our own home, because these relationships are everlasting, you know, that it's, it's not, you know, they're going to be impacted in one way or another. And so if we can just be intentional and impact in, in beautiful ways, clearly it's not going to be perfect. Nobody's perfect, but, but if we can really be intentional about it, like you said, Kim, I think a lot of good can come from it. Well, and I think that's, that's a hope I have um, both for myself, for my children and for all of the listeners and everyone in this world. And you can show up and you can trust people that you trust. Like you can show up and you can be um, like, I can, I, there's certain people that I can go to that I know will show up for me mm-hmm. because of past behaviors, because of them engaging in ways that put my best needs above theirs at times. And my husband's a great example. Like, I know if I go to him and I say, this is a need that it will be met Mm -hmm. regardless of what else is going on in life, but he had to show up. And I have that confidence in him because he did show up. Mm -hmm. And I think that hope that we have for our listeners and for, for everyone in this world, for them to be able to show up, you have to have that, 
internal trust. And you don't get that from sitting in the roots. You don't get that from, from planning this perfect day of what it's going to be like with your kids. You gain that trust when you show up imperfectly mm-hmm. over and over and over again, when you don't feel like it over mm-hmm. and over and over again, oh, true. You stretch yourself way beyond what you think you're capable of over and over and over again. Yeah. And so I wish for those things for our, for our listeners, I wish for those things for the people closest to me. Just to but show I, up hope, every day. I hope it's understood that it's done yeah. in intention, but work mm-hmm. has to happen. Mm-hmm. Who am I to judge um, people and where they, where they've been. And I think that that's something I need to look at too. Um, I, I think that that's uh, yeah. I just always want to look out for the young children. I just always do because that's why we love you, Carol. Yeah. I, I just important. feel like they, this is their childhood. <laughs> and if we can sacrifice a little bit, I think that we'll be healed in the process um, as, we, as we do for others. And I'd rather err on the side of that and call there's people. Very little self, and, yeah. There's very little self-indulgence that I ever engage in that's not as healing as my little daughter giving me a love and telling me you're the most beautiful person in this world. Or mommy, yeah. I love you. Or mommy, thank you. Or mommy, come hold me when I'm tired. Come hold Mm -hmm. me. Like those are more healing healing. than anything else. Exactly. I think that those are more healing than anything else. I think that's what I'm trying to say with all of my, you know, as I've angered half of the world's population. (laughs) (laughs) Healing comes when, when, when you know you trust in those situations, even when you're so so tired. Well, and it's that is. Yeah. Those experiences come and those healing truly comes from connection. Mm-hmm. And I think that's right. connection with yourself, which is yeah. where it's kind of been commodified and yeah. it's been co-opted, but there is need for connection with self. And that's where healing can come from and should right. be also coming from, but there's also deep connection and healing that comes from reaching outside of yourself, yes. having those that are dependent on you, be able to trust you and depend right. on you that yeah. pushes you beyond anything that you internally are capable of doing. It is a rare yeah. person that's able to engage to a level that they're not being demanded of engaging in. It's a rare person that says, I'm going to go out and I'm going to change the world without having the need to go change the world. And so that's, that's why we're each unique. Like the way I think the world needs to change is unique to my experiences. I've seen things that I want to improve. Mm-hmm. Carol, you have seen things that you want to improve. Every single one of our listeners has seen things that they want to improve. That Mm -hmm. is the call to action. Right. I'm not asking you to engage like me. I'm not asking Mm -hmm. you to do what I'm doing, but I am asking you as listeners and like individually to engage in a way that you feel like you need to engage in. And as you do that, as you develop those relationships, as you develop those trusts or develop that trust there will be things that flow back into your life that are irreplaceable with Netflix, irreplaceable Mm -hmm. with social media, irreplaceable with self-indulgence. Right. Yep. It's long lasting. It's really extremely, it's real. It's real. The dopamine hit is, is the real deal. Those (laughs) dopamine and serotonin hits. Like there is nothing more of a dopamine hit than listening to our cottages in Africa as they grow listening to these young mothers, 16 year old mothers saying, you know, I know how to sew now. Like the dopamine hit that comes off of that is far superior to anything I do on a social media feed or 
a streaming platform or anything else. That's even, I would, I get pretty strong dopamine hits from working out. And that is not even in comparison to when I think about these young mothers' lives being changed. Yeah. Yeah. This has been an awesome conversation. I love it. Thank (laughs) you for all, all of what you shared. I've learned a lot. Thank you. And we love your candidness. (laughs) Yeah. We'll see. Going to get some angry mobs at my door. (laughs) That's good. You know, I have our address if anyone needs it. Angry mobs are welcome as long as they bring childcare because there's plenty of kids running around and at least a meal to be able to feed the kids during that moment of engagement. So, but we have next week, we have a conversation with Nikki Brown and how the Houston wave has been engaging with different populations in their community. And then we have a wonderful conversation coming up with Valerie Hethen Kassler the discrepancies. If you want to talk about some of the historical inaccuracies and the situations for women globally, this woman has her finger on the pulse and she's been able to describe how the commodification of women um, has occurred and kind of how we can step out of that place into a place of true empowerment right? and true interdependence. So we've got some awesome conversations coming up. And we appreciate you being with us, Carol. Thank you for your candidness. And we probably both have kids that we need to be back at too right now, which I'm sure you've heard in this podcast, by the way. So life of a maternal feminist. We love it. Yep. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you guys. And we'll see you next week. You have been listening to Currents, a podcast by Big Ocean Women. You can find us on the internet at BigOceanWomen.org, on Instagram, and on Facebook. We are each one powerful drop in a big ocean of change. Join us in one of our local chapters, Waves, or Women Achieving Vast Empowerment. Our music is First Rain by Ian Post. Editing and production is by Fifth East Productions. Please join us again next week for in-depth discussion about interesting ideas and about people who are trying to make a difference in their communities.